0: Well, this is not where expected to end up. Incoming transmission. Engage house party protocol. Mark 4 powering up. Mark 17 powering up. Mark 44 powering up. Suits are online welcome to house party
1: protocol power of suits and welcome in to another episode of house party protocol my name is will and with me today coming to us from the great smoky north is the one and only leland from aegis brand studios what's happening my guy
0: not much not much how's it going wargamers
1: It's going pretty good on my end, I must say. This has been a pretty crazy week. Uh, The last episode I recorded was pre-Gen Con announcement, which sounds a weird way to say it was pre-pre. The Gen Con pre-announcement thing, you know. So, uh, yeah, I'd say from that episode, Merzane and I, we got a lot right, though, if I say so myself.
0: No, fair enough. I remember listening to that, and uh, thinking, think it's like, okay, you guys are either just gonna like come out of this looking like complete and total uh, uh, fools, or you know, you're gonna get some stuff right. And yeah, you you guys uh, you guys got some good stuff uh, good stuff on the table there. And you know, you almost think that one of you had some uh, some inside information.
1: No, nah, well, it would be Merzine because it definitely isn't me. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was uh, really fun to speculate a little bit, and then. Lo and behold, some of that speculation came true with the Earth's Mightiest Corset, which I, I will give a lot of credit to AMG. What a great name!
0: Oh no, it's it's a fantastic name for a corset. It's a lot better than just your your typical well, you know, corset, right?
1: Exactly. Yeah, it it really is in that it really conveys what Crisis Protocol is about and leans into the theme, which has been one of the defining features of this game, but before we get too far down this line, I wanna, I wanna prep all the suits out there that are providing their time to listen to this with a couple of things. Today's episode, we are going to react and discuss the pre-GenCon announcement. Then we are going to discuss my experience with some of the models from the new core set at GenCon, and then lastly, we're gonna do a classic HPP breakdown of Captain America: The First Avenger because Leland, it only seems fitting to start with El Cap.
0: Oh yeah, no, absolutely. I mean that that guy, he's he's the leader, he's the icon, he's the hero. Yeah, just yeah, makes sense.
1: It really does. So jam-packed show today, Leland, and um, I'm. I'm really stoked. And the first thing I want to discuss right now, Leland, is initial impressions. How do you feel about that announcement? And just in a general sense, we're not going to get into the specific characters just yet. But how do you feel about that announcement? And especially with what the discourse kind of had been going on Marvel Crisis Protocol?
0: So... My my take might might seem a little a little hot to some people. Uh as good as the announcement was, I do feel that there was a situation of they said a whole lot without saying a whole lot. <laughs> and they because like well let let's let's take a look at it for instance. We saw we saw some some post renders of a lot of the new X-Men. Like we saw a lot of the miniatures they you know, this time they were actually finished, they were painted. Yeah, so we actually got to see what they looked like. We got to see the art of a bunch of the tactics cards. Uh. so I mean, we we saw some stuff that just kind of expanded on what we had already seen back at what was it adepticon when they revealed all the all those uh, new mutant characters? Correct. Um, so they really just kind of expanded on that. Uh, and then let's be honest, they they revealed the worst kept secret in this community <laughs> in that we were seeing another core box uh, hit. Um, so and that's not to diminish the the excitement behind it. It was really cool. Uh, but I think all of this is because we still have mini stravaganza coming. So yeah. obviously, like they they had to sort of pad the time a little bit. Uh, it gave them the chance to really go in depth with what they were showing us. But it's still, with the, with the lack of transmissions that we've grown used to, uh, with the lack of that over the past couple months, I was hoping for something a little bit meatier, maybe something a little fantastic. I, I don't know. But. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, yeah. No, no joke there. Uh, the fantastic aspect of things. I, I am not disappointed. I will say that. Like, this announcement does not leave me disappointed one bit, especially as it relates to one particular character that was spoiled, revealed, whatever you want to call it. But I am. It's, it. Yeah. Can we. Fantastic Four, please. Like, at Mini Stravaganza or something. Like, I need. I need the First Family. I mean, it's Marvel's First Family. Reset the clock. But.
0: <laughs> See, I just want them because of doom. I think Doom just brings so many interesting things. And for anyone who's aware of my opinion on models in this game that are six plus threat, I am cool with Doom being a six plus threat character. Uh, sure. just because I think Doom conceptually is a really cool character, both in the comics and in the Marvel lore in general. and frankly, we we need we need doom. we need we need that villain who's just so arrogantly good. Uh, that uh, that he he really does put a lot of the other villains to shame.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I think Doom uh, is an incredible villain, an incredible character in a lot of ways. So having him in this game will be wonderful one day. And I'm sure it's coming at some point. But I just, I'm biding my time and... I feel like that guy that's like, well, you just gave me everything that I could possibly want, except you didn't give me the one thing I want. So I'm going to complain. This is not me complaining, by the way. I just want to.
0: I, I, I want to I stress that as well. Like, I'm in no way trying to diminish the the excitement behind this transmission. Like, this, this was a very good announcement. I am very excited about it. I'm very happy about it. I love this new core box. Uh, I think we have a lot to really be excited for. I think we've just been spoiled. With yeah. uh, the rapid pace of of reveals and, and all that sort of stuff.
1: Yeah, ab- absolutely. Absolutely. So, anyways, as for the reveal itself, I, I will say this was a really nice one. I enjoyed Chic and Simone's ability to hype in a way. I mean, it's just the two of them sitting there. and And they're both doing a really great job of... Talking about where they came from, where they are, and how much better things have gotten, and all of that stuff. And I really appreciate that. And four years ago, when this game came out, and when this podcast started, which is a weird thing to think about, there was still a lot of unknowns about Marvel Crisis Protocol. And I remember those early days of doing character reviews, we had no idea how these characters were going to play on the tabletop we did not know that a long mover with a charge in zemo was going to be so good we didn't know that a medium move on a 50 millimeter base was going to be really good and and there's so many other things that have come out that we didn't know about and it's cool to see a core set be announced and to see new things be announced and also look at this from a perspective of new and fresh things where there's still a lot of unknown. Like we, Leland, might have an idea of how something's gonna work, but until we've put it through its paces on the tabletop, we still don't know. And these are, I think, if I did the math right, 11 new characters that function, from my view, completely different than their original versions.
0: Yeah, eleven new characters, but uh what is it, thirteen new models? Cause we got the transforming Captain Marvel and we got the uh the the Ultron bots yep. kicking around as well, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it it's very exciting. And uh one one thing like I, I wanna get out there in regards to the excitement about this is that we are also looking at this from the perspective of people who are firmly entrenched in the game. We have bought into it in some cases, some more than others. Uh like I i grab everything that comes out for this one. So I am I'm, I'm firmly in this camp. And I think what's great about this particular product is that not only are the people who are already so deep into this game for the most part excited about this box. Like I know there's some people it's like ah well you know we already we've already seen these characters. They're just new sculpts. We want new stuff. The vast majority of people seem to be Deeply excited about this box, but this box is also, at least in in my opinion, a very exciting entry point for new players as well. Yes, especially when you take a look at what the original core box models look like, how they were designed, and all this sort of stuff, versus what we're seeing today. We've seen so much growth in the uh, in the in the designers from AMG who've been making these models that. Let's let's be honest. The original Core Box models do look very dated at this point. They're fine, but they're they're dated. Uh, whereas all these new models that we have coming out, like who would have thought we'd get models as cre- like design creative as Claw jumping yeah. out of his own sound echo, or you know Cosmic Ghost Rider with that with that cosmic orb, or even that absolutely astounding Agent Venom that we yes. got earlier this year. And now we have a Core Box that matches that caliber of design in my opinion. Oh, the Black Widow model is just to die for in it's this dumb. set. I love that Widow model.
1: It's it's incredible, I got to say. Like the the Black Widow model from this new core box and then the spectacular Spider-Man are just they're truly a cut above.
0: Yeah. truly. Then of course we got the the Rob uh, the Rob Liefeld Captain America pose going on there.
1: <laughs> yeah, if you haven't already, make sure to check out House Party Protocol Facebook page because I did a uh, side-by-side comparison picture of the new Captain America model and the Rob Liefeld way weird chest proportion Captain America yep. picture and it is it's great. It's great. I know this wasn't intentional, but if it was on AMG's part, just hats off tip of the cap <laughs>
0: pun intended I, you know there's no way this was non-intentional that pose is almost one for one like that is now we can't be 100 sure because rob liefeld never drew feet and we see feet on this model so we don't know right. but uh i mean if you look at him he's got a whole bunch of pouches on his belt like this has to be inspired by it has to be
1: you're i think you're right Lita. i think we, we can go ahead and call it here there's definitely an inspiration going on and you know what it's okay. You know, that every version of a character is somebody's favorite and puffy chest cap eld is, you know, it's a thing. It's a whole vibe, as the kids say.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the Michelin man ch- uh, cap. Yes,
1: yes. Yeah. So definitely check that out. Let us know what you think out there, Suits, because I, I think that's, that's pretty funny. And shout out to, I think it was Brian Freddie who brought that up in the Discord channel, the House Party Protocol Discord. And once you see it, You can't unsee
0: it. (laughs) Yeah, thanks for that, man. That's great. Awesome.
1: Yeah, and if it wasn't Brian Freddie that did it, make sure to at me in the Discord and be like, no, it was me, and I'll be like, sorry, okay. (laughs) So anyways, yeah, it's uh, you really, Leland, I think, touched on something that we really need to talk about, and that is the place to jump into Marvel Crisis Protocol. If, for some reason, this is your first episode of House Party Protocol, welcome in. I'm really glad that you're here because this is the time, if you were on the fence or if you're just getting into MCP, this is the time to pick up this box, to pick up these models, to experience the joy of all the stuff. I mean, it's all the stuff, and when you look at what comes in this box, I mean, it's It's a lot. I mean, it's all these characters with new sculpts, all this stuff. And then you've got big pieces of terrain. I think there's what, six pieces of terrain. You've got new movement
0: tools. I think there's more than that. Isn't there?
1: I I think so. I can't, I can't find the, the picture with all of it, but I was, I was looking at it the other day and it's just a lot. And it's a lot of very functional stuff. And I think they've released the price on Asmodee shop and it's I think a very fair price, you know. I think it's 150. Um I'm, I'm going to look it up right yeah, now. Yeah, 1
0: 150 US, which I think puts it on par with uh the Shatterpoint box.
1: Yeah. And it's really one of the things that was a yeah, it's $150, which I think Shatterpoints $160. I'm not sure. I ought to look it up. But one of the things that the original core set and one of the selling points, even to this day, like we had a, a local guy that that jumped in and bought the original core set pretty recently. And the argument was always how good of a value that core set has been. And sure, some of the characters might not be as dynamic with their abilities as some of the other ones are nowadays, but you still get a ton of value in that box. And when you look at characters like Baron Zemo, as an example, like the core set to Threat Widow, like Captain America after his rebalance, Iron Man after his rebalance, those are all characters that you see as staples in rosters today. And still a great value in that core set. But it's obvious that that core set's going away with this one. And when I look at the things that are included in this core set here, it's it's a great value for 150 bucks. I mean, yes, you get quote-unquote less characters, but like you said earlier, you're actually getting more character models. If you count the grunts and the transforming, you're getting all new movement tools you're getting a brand new mission tracker new cards it hopefully a full rule book which it's according to the contents list it is a full rule book so that's great and it says 25 terrain miniatures so i was way off with my estimate earlier and uh it's when i see that leland it it screams value to me
0: Oh yeah, and I I find that's actually been a discussion we've been having quite a bit lately in this community is the idea of of cost versus value, and the two are very different things because we've seen it come up with the um, uh, the rival panels packs, right? Yes. Uh, let's I mean, and there's the the big offender, which is the Weapon X one. It costs a lot, but there is value to it. It's just it's up to you to decide whether or not that value is worthwhile and worth that cost, right? And the same is very true of this of this new core set. There is a massive amount of value to this. Um, the downside, though, is that it's only value to you if you care about the characters, the new components, the terrain, or anything like that. Uh, but I think I'm confident in saying that there's a lot of people, both new and, and old, that will find uh, value in at least two-thirds of this box.
1: Absolutely. I mean when I do just a quick Google search on something like a Warhammer 40k starter box, right? Like I just had the Leviathan box came out. It's $250, right? Sure, you get more models because that's an army game and this and that, but it's still $250 just to get started. And to my knowledge, you can't take what's in a Leviathan box to like a regular match. Like you have to add on to it if you're taking one side or the other same thing with like a kill team there's a kill team box that's 160 bucks the pariah nexus is one i found i don't know if that's any good or anything but i'm just using it as an example so you've got like this uh the the combat patrol thing this boarding patrol of chaos demons is 130 dollars for this box like i'm just again this is just random searching on the internet for things and when I look at it like that, you're exactly right, Leland. You're exactly right, Leland, in that it's all about whether or not these characters are important to you. And it is a very fair thing to say, well, we've already seen some of these characters three times at this point. So do I care? But I feel like that one, the sculpts are so great Two, They are all new rules for these characters and everything. I think it, I think it, If I do that math, it works out. Now, yes, we've gotten Iron Man, Ultron, Doc Ock, Captain America, Black Widow. We've gotten these characters a couple of times. But I I think that in terms of, of being excited for Marvel Crisis Protocol, this is a very good place to be excited. And if these are characters that you're not interested in, that's okay because, uh, in addition to these characters, we got some other announcements too of some new characters that are coming out to get pretty hyped for, I think.
0: Yeah, uh, no, de- definitely. Like, there's a lot of really good stuff happening, and it was not, it was definitely not just the core box that, uh, that, uh, we had shown off to us, which is, it's always really nice. It's, it's good that they, they gave us a little bit more than just that.
1: Yes, absolutely. And, one of the things that they also mentioned on here was a 2023 Crisis Card Pack, which...
0: out time.
1: Yeah, we've all been clamoring for that. One of the new things in this new core <laughs> set is that the Crisis Cards are the tarot size, so just like the Grunts characters' cards, like just the Grunts themselves, they're going to be that size, which I think is really great because it'll have the map on it and the rules... So you don't have to go fumbling around for all of that. But uh, if you do have a storage solution that already accounts for regular card size, can't help you there.
0: <laughs> yeah, it is a little unfortunate. All those, all those wonderful uh, uh, Battle Kiwi boxes that are out there and you know all of a sudden those, those mission cards just don't fit.
1: Yeah, well, you know, unfortunately or fortunately, MDF isn't too hard to manipulate. So get a little saw, cut that out a little bit. You know, you'll be all right. You'll be all right or just reorder that, that one tray. True. I'm sure they're going to going to make just the one tray where you can order and get the right size.
0: Oh yeah, no, definitely.
1: Yeah, shout out to Battle Kiwi. Use code Party Kiwi for 10% off your first order with them. Uh really really great company over there, so check them out. Um I feel like I'm shilling a lot right now, but <laughs> I don't get anything from that. I just love their products. So, <laughs> there we go. Uh so yeah, we got that announcement and the Crisis card pack. And one of the things that I've seen from this new core set, Leland, is new
0: movement tools. Mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah, it's so... It's a very subtle difference, but yeah.
1: It is a very subtle difference, but uh, previously with Marvel Crisis Protocol, you had what I call them fangs, on the ends of both sides of the movement tool. And the rule is you have to attach the fangs to the base. The 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 both fangs have to be touching the base. And then you move the tool and you can end your movement touching the tool anywhere. So you start with both fangs touching and then you could go to a corner fang on there or something like that. And it feels like you kind of get that little extra bit of movement out of that. Well, now... These movement tools, specifically, they've got the fangs on one end and a flat side on the other end. And you're probably out there wondering, especially if you've never played Crisis Protocol before, well, why is that relevant? Leland, why is that relevant?
0: It, 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 it's relevant because the amount of times I've missed a throw because of that stupid little cup. <laughs> <It> just, <laughs> uh, yeah, like it, it, it literally just... It sort of closes the gap at the other end of the movement stick. Uh, and in a game where positioning is as important as it is in this one, that extra what, one, two millimeters can actually make a big difference sometimes. Uh, so yeah, it seems like a really small thing, but it's, it is going to have some some interesting impacts on, on the game itself. And most people won't even notice like let's be completely honest about that. Most people will not notice the the difference in it. Yeah. Uh, but there's going to be those couple instances where, you know, if you're using the original tools that had that had that little cup on it, uh, where you know maybe you're out by that millimeter. You know, maybe that throw is just out, or that movement is just out, or something like that. Uh, now all of a sudden, like you're you're going to get that extra little bit of. Uh, positioning to get on that objective to get within range to have that throw happen so yeah yeah it's it's a very interesting one and uh it'll i think the the best players are going to be the ones who really who really see the value of it and you know the rest of us are just going to keep going on with our with our day and you know playing (laughs) the game and having fun
1: yeah for sure and it's one of those things where if you play competitively i think that you're going to want these new movement tools because You are going to be at a disadvantage in a competitive environment if you're not using them ultimately. And it's one of those things where I say this, I think, fairly regularly. I say it in person. I don't know if I say it on the podcast all the time, but a lot of times this is a game of millimeters. And especially competitively, like if you're just goofing off, having fun, who cares? Use whatever you want that is. quote unquote approved so the original tools would still be approved in that way but if you're going to an event and you're playing competitively and you're operating in those margins of of competitive play I don't know what that would be like that one or two millimeters can make the difference here and and I'm not sure exactly how much of a difference it is I'm sure somebody out there has measured it but it's interesting, and I think it takes some of the guesswork out of how the tool works and how pushes and throws work, which it's worth noting, the pushes and the throws are the thing that this is going to affect the most. Not so much just your generic movement, but it's pushes and throws because the way those rules work is you have to straighten out the tool and move in a straight line down the tool center center to center kind of thing. You can't... like off to the side you can't do any as they said in the the reveal stream there any curveball throws or anything like that so you have to move straight down the tool and i think this takes some of that guesswork out of it because there was always when i would first introduce someone to the game they would be like okay cool so i can throw from this part of the tool to this corner over here i was like no no you have to go straight down and and this and that and like you said there's that millimeter of difference that definitely makes it uh difficult At times. So for sure. Yeah. So uh, I think it's an interesting thing. I think that it's one of those subtle things that like people like you and I who are invested in this game and going to continue to be invested in this game and are going to be buying this core set and spoiler alert, probably going to be giving away this core set. It. it, These are things we're going to have. But. I understand there's some people out there in the community that don't like this change. And this is one of those things where once you get used to it and you start using these tools, and even if you've bought custom tools from something like a Akago 2 or something like that, you know, it stinks that you have these fancy tools that now are at a quote-unquote disadvantage. But it is what it is. And things grow and evolve over time. And it's one of those things where I think... Once you get used to these new tools, they'll be beneficial. And I'm sure that you'll be able to get new fancy ones
0: again, somewhere else. So. Oh yeah. And I'm, I'm willing to bet that a lot of the pushback on this is actually more from the fact that people don't always appreciate having to repurchase things like components. Absolutely. Uh, like a lot of the time components are a one and done type purchase. And I mean, let's be honest, this, this is an expensive hobby and hobby dollars only go so far, right? Absolutely. So we, we typically want to put those hobby dollars towards what's new and exciting and something as mechanical as a movement tool, isn't an exciting purchase, right? It's, For sure. It is just, it, it, yeah, it's uh it, it uh, there's a word I'm trying to figure out, but I, I can't place that at the moment. Uh, but this this is a tool that's just it's just there it's it's a component to let you play the game to facilitate it it's not flashy exciting or anything like that so i can definitely see where there might be some resentment um, towards the change because of that
1: yeah and it is worth noting they're selling the movement and range tool packs separately which i think is a wonderful idea that way if people don't want to buy the core set they can at least get these new tools to use and all of that. So I think that's a really good thing. So now Leland, let's talk about some other stuff from this announcement and let's start with the most exciting things and that's new reveals. So we got to see the actual painted up, dressed up models for Nightcrawler and Bishop with the Jerry curl way to go. AMG showing off Jerry curl version. Uh, we got, the shadow cat and Iceman all done up and uh shick if you're listening to this how how could you refer to lockheed as lockjaw like
0: honestly can i actually just interject for one quick second here i don't know if this is just genius or mistakes on this part but the amount of things that shick was saying that just left the community kind of scratching their head wondering what was (laughs) going on was phenomenal especially in regards to another character we'll talk about and the fact that he referred to them as uh, I believe he referred to the things as construct grunts yes leaving everyone just just wonders like wait so are these constructs are are grunts what what's going on here right which actually it meant that Pagani had to jump into uh jump into the feed and basically correct him on that but oh just so confusing <laughs> Yes, I don't I, know if it was intentional or not. I,
1: I think that there's just like this slight like 10% troll to Will Schick at times that I just absolutely love. And and like that's it right there. It's like he probably knows this is Lockheed, but he kept saying Lockjaw because it just it's just what was on his brain. And when he said that, I was like, oh, come on, man.
0: <laughs> oh, all I heard is I'm putting Lockheed on its own base and using him as Lockjaw now.
1: Yes, I, I think that's approved uh, per this here. And then finally, with the uh, other X-Men thing here, we got the fully dressed up version of Professor X and Shadow King. And um, yeah, like all of these models and then the the Warrior Falls set, again, we can talk about that more at a different time. But all of these things look utterly incredible. And, and their studio paint, people and their photograph people are just insanely good i
0: I do have a small beef with the xavier model and uh it's not anything to do with the bulk of the model itself it's that little propulsion thrust that's keeping the chair up that's fair it's it's i would have preferred the chair to be a little bit lower on the ground And not have that propulsion thrust because it just kind of looks like that chair is just expelling all sorts of waste. (laughs) And uh, so I I don't know. It's it's a little thing that just kind of bugs me a bit.
1: I can I can respect that, especially because in the the cartoon and in the comics back in the day, I don't remember there being like a thrust thing or if there was it was just kind of little motion lines. But they had to do something. So I get that now. Now, let's
0: be honest. Xavier probably has a bedpan in there, and it probably needs to be cleaned down every so often. I just wasn't expecting to see that modeled.
1: Right. Well, you know, they got to do what they got to do, right? I mean, he is an old man after all. So
0: does Xavier, apparently. (laughs) Yeah. Sorry, I just derailed everything, didn't I? You know
1: know what, Leland? That's why we have you on, buddy. That's why we
0: have you on, is
1: for these hot expulsion of Xavier waste takes. Thanks for that.
0: He's, uh, he's getting on board with that that whole new uh, rebranded Twitter. With uh, he's got a he's got his perfect excrete right there.
1: Oh yeah, and look, this brings a whole new meaning to X. Going to give it to you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, this is not where I expected to end up.
1: Yeah, yeah, I bet I bet you didn't. But uh, <laughs> anyways, I think this is a model that's like a candidate for like the clear flight stick, and it wouldn't be weird. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, I I agree completely on that one. Yeah,
1: but I'm excited to see what the community does with it. But those are models we knew were coming, Leland. The ones we didn't know were coming, though, and one of them in particular has my height meter just, like, through the absolute roof.
0: I think you and me both, if it's the one I think you're talking about.
1: Scarlet Spider. Ben Riley. Yeah. With the hoodie on, with the ankle pouches. Yes.
0: <laughs> oh, ben Riley has been on my wish list since day 1. I I grew up reading Spidey comics right around the Clone, uh the Clone Saga. Same. So, good or bad, I have a, it has a soft spot in my heart. 100% um, for the whole thing, right? Like I I dig it a lot. I those were the comics I I read growing up. So I love Ben Riley. I'm so happy to finally see him in the game.
1: Hundred percent, hundred percent, dude. Like he and he's he's doing the web shooter like he does, and he's like oh that sculpt is amazing. And shout out to our friend Matt over there at the Gamers Guild. He, he uh, one absolute Matt. He is on the Shatterpoint podcast for for them over there, and he did the original core Spidey as scarlet spider and it's incredible it's one of my favorite models i've seen and i love that he hobbied that out but i'm also so glad that we have this model and this character confirmed and it's just oh i'm so happy and his box mate is also one that's pretty awesome looking and that's Gwenum. so yeah
0: I Have no personal attachment to Gwenham. Uh, I'm happy people are happy to see her. I think that's awesome. I know nothing about her, to be honest.
1: She's a cool character, the model is amazing, and and I'm I'm sure like with both of these characters being Ben Riley is a clone of Peter Parker, and then Gwenum is Spider Gwen or Ghost Spider with the Venom suit on. There's so many fun things they can like take and pick and choose. And Chick even mentioned that that like what works and what doesn't work from each of those original characters and putting them into these characters is something that I think is very exciting.
0: Yeah. It, it is a really nice way to sort of explore different possibilities with the characters. So I'm very excited by that.
1: Yes. And then the next thing we got was a big time spider foes reveal, but let's be honest, it's the Sinister Six. Like we've, we've created the Sinister Six <laughs> finally. <gasps>
0: And about time we're seeing them. I'm I'm actually surprised it took this long to to see more of the Spider-Man's Rogue Gallery uh hit.
1: Me too, uh, honestly. Very
0: surprised.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it's one of those things where we've gotten like a little trickle of it, right? Like we got Rhino, who makes a lot of sense. We got uh who else? We've got Doc Ock, Green Goblin, Craven. You know, we've gotten characters here and there, but some really big-time icons, right? Like Electro. We've got Electro coming, and that model looks incredible. There's Shocker coming, and he looks really great, too, and I'm really excited to see what he does. Then you've got a Vulture model that looks amazing, and worth noting, it's Old Man v- Vulture, so way to go, AMG, for sticking to the OG Vulture. Look, I just... Mm, yes! <laughs> and then... Lastly, oh, yeah, for sure. like, certainly not leastly, though, Leland, is we have Sandman with construct grunts, gruntstrucks. Are, are they
0: congrunts? Co- wait, or... what'd you call them? Con grunts. They're, they're congrunts. con-grunts. Right? <laughs> Friggin' <Freaking> chick.
1: <laughs> they're congrunts.
0: <laughs> I. No, uh, Sandman's looking really exciting. I uh, I was actually expecting some sort of interesting transform mechanic with him, not not some sort of, like, grunt things. But even with my dislike of grunts, this one actually makes a lot of sense uh, for the game and how it might function. So it's... I'm excited to see how it actually is implemented on the table.
1: I'm right there with you. It's one of those things where I'm excited for all of these uh... I I love Spider-Man. I love Spider-Man's Rogue Gallery. And I've always, like, enjoyed Spider-Foes. And you know my feelings on Green Goblin. If, If anyone has listened to this podcast for any time, I still love that model. It's amazing. But it's really cool to see new things happen here. And especially with this new core set, having more than just the Avengers and Cabal leadership in it, I think it's very exciting. And Sandman... As a character saying, okay, cool. Like he he does make constructs, right? Like Sandman always like the giant hand of sand coming out as a grunt. Like that's a it's a very iconic Sandman-esque thing. So when I see that, I'm I'm stoked. And I think the fact that they're making that into a grunt and how that's gonna function within the grunt rules, I just I, I'm I'm so excited to see. What that does.
0: I think the other really interesting aspect of it, though, is unlike all the other grunts, there's two bases. Right. And yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how they implement that because right now the the rules as written, um, we can only ever have one instance of grunts on the table at a time. So how is this going to how is this going to function? Like how are they going to sort of like massage this into the rules and how will it uh, how will it work and function in the game itself? Right.
1: Exactly exactly so i'm excited for that and and the model just looks incredible and it i'm just going to throw this out there it definitely looks like the grunts are on 35 millimeter bases and sandman's on a, at least a 50 if not a 65 or there, the grunts are, are 50 millimeters and he's on a 65 which i think is crazy
0: yeah i, I definitely i definitely agree that this is probably the the smaller base and the, like the, the 40 and the 50 there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's, yeah. it's looking really good. And, and I think it's important to note, cause we didn't actually note this earlier, that the Doc octet that comes with the new core set has the Sinister six leadership. He sure does.
1: It. He sure does, which I, I, I know that there's probably a lot of people that want to go over every single card out here and I want to go over it too. But, and this is an important, but this is a really big, but. I want to do it and give each one their own time to shine. And so you're right. This is the Sinister Six on this Doc Ock. I'm stoked to talk about it. But I'm going to talk about it once we get the full official reveal of both sides and all that stuff. But even if we don't get that, I'm just going to make my way through the core set. Because at at Gen Con, we did get the full... I was able to take pictures of both sides of the cards, So it was perfect. But anyways, I digress. Leland... These models, all of this stuff so far has been like hype train, amazing time, Super McAwesomeville. And I'm really happy where we're going in 2024 with Marvel Crisis Protocol. And I feel like it was really easy to feel bogged down in this game for a while. But when we get some of these additional reveals, we kind of set the stage, which is what this announcement did for the next year at least i'm i'm excited and then we still have many stravaganza in a little over a month
0: but 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 remember will mcp is dead
1: mcp ded dead um <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly exactly yeah
1: It it was for me it was always a meme and i always kind of thought it was funny and and i i want to say i'm not going to get dragged down into the big conversation about it I understand where people were coming from with certain fatigue feelings, right? I I really do get that, especially as you get into the more competitive scene of MCP. But I still think this game has a lot to offer, and having played it as much as I have, and especially I've been playing more recently, it's still wonderful and like the dice are just out of control and if you just i don't know maybe i'm not I don't, uh, at the risk of sounding preachy i don't i hate sounding preachy leland like look the dice are gonna dice it's it's gonna be oh, weird yeah. it's gonna be weird and and you just accept that and <laughs> and realize that that's what it's supposed to do it, you know like again that oh, sounds so preachy and i hate it But you know
0: what I mean? You're you're right, though. The dice dice are going to dice. And the thing is, is the more you play, the more you'll start to see that curve even out. Exactly. And and that's that's probability in a nutshell, right? Right?
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But all of that aside, there's one thing that we really do need to talk about here. And I'm I'm speaking probably more to the competitive side of things at this point uh, with this one. And this was just barely touched on in the video but I think it's something that especially me as a person that does do a few big events a year will be relevant and that's the timeline info and and the the timeline events and stuff like that so I have been in this game since before it even released really and one of the things that has always been discussed is timelines and and how timelines are going to be a thing. What are timelines? And it's always been this thing that's kind of been like in the background for a long time. I'm saying time too many times. <laughs> there you go. I just did it again.
0: Don't <laughs> so, worry. We got all the time in the world.
1: Yes. Time is on our side. But uh,
0: <laughs> time
1: after time. I, I'm, I'm, we're in a loop now. So <laughs> time loop, if you will. Time loop, if you will. Yeah. God dang it, Leland <laughs> <laughs> It's yes, let's do the time warp again. Sorry. Oh my gosh. You, I need,
0: you know I'm an agent of chaos. You know I'm gonna do stuff like this. I know, I know. And
1: and look, if you are listening to this podcast and it's your first time, this is just this is what we are, this is where we live our lives, having a good time. So, anyways. The timeline events and the structure around that I think is important to discuss because I think it's going to have an impact on the competitive scene. I mean, we know it is because at any official AMG-sanctioned event, it sounds like this timeline rule structure is what they're going to have to use. And before we, we talk about what was revealed here... The official timeline rules have not been shown. So we still have to wait to get those. But the Schick did say Adepticon 2024, which is in March, that they'll be using this. So I would imagine, Leland, that we're going to be getting these rules pretty soon.
0: Yeah. Now, I will say, based on what they have told us so far, I I do have some issues with it.
1: So let's go over what they said in the reveal So I actually took a screenshot of this one because I thought it was pretty important. So for timeline events it is going to, and I'm just going to read this bullet point for bullet point here. So a new premier tournament format for crisis protocol. And Schick did say specifically things like Adepticon. So you can imagine Adepticon, LVO, LSO, which is the Lone Star Open, maybe Nashcon, maybe something like Warfare Weekend, maybe. I don't know if it's quite big enough yet. You've also got things like Gen Con, if they do a tournament at Gen Con. The, the big-time tournaments, ACO, maybe. The the ones overseas, like I'm only speaking for ones here in the U.S., but anything you see overseas, like the York Weekender that they did back, uh, I guess it was February, I would imagine that, that big-time events are going to especially if they're sanctioned by AMG, be using this. So a premier tournament format for Marvel Crisis Protocol. Each timeline designates a specific set of characters and team tactics cards player can use to build their rosters. And let me ask you this, Leland. Do you want to go over this bullet point by bullet point? Or do you want to do the whole thing and then talk about it?
0: I think maybe doing the whole thing I'm talking about, because I think there's a lot of interconnected uh, interconnectedness to this. Fair. That uh, one thing is going to impact another uh, aspect of it.
1: Okay, cool. So, like I said, the, the specific characters and team taxes cards that players can use in their rosters. Timeline events occur over the course of, here's the big one, three days with record-based pairings. Players must create one roster for each day of the event. Players cannot repeat characters or teams' tactics cards across their rosters. Timelines will rotate out regularly, providing new challenges and opportunities for players to showcase their skill and knowledge of the game. So Leland... I think we could maybe even do a whole episode just unpacking this one slide. But I don't want to do that because I want to wait till we get the full timeline rules.
0: Before- As is right, I think. I think that's the only fair way to really do it. Correct.
1: But what are your thoughts? And and let's take take some some time to discuss this.
0: All right. So i got two thoughts directed towards this the first thought being that they've basically created an event that requires you to bring 30 models to the table which kind of creates a barrier for more casual based players um because more casual based players aren't they're not the ones going out and buying every single model or they're not the ones who have been collecting diehards like for the really competitive players who've played two or three different affiliations, that's fine. They'll be able to handle it for the most part, Mm -hmm. but they, they have created an artificial barrier, uh, especially if how we're reading this is true and that there's only going to be certain affiliations that are rotated in for these, for these timeline events. So from an accessibility standpoint, I do draw issue with it. I, I don't think this is the way you build the game further. Or at least it's not the way you encourage this particular, the development of this particular aspect of the game. So I, I have, I have a lot of concerns there, but I'm going to reserve final judgment for until we see the actual full rules for it come out, because there might be something we're missing at this, the secret sauce, if you will, (laughs) we might be missing that at this point. Yeah. So that that's point. Number one point number two is a little bit more abstract. I think this is AMG's way of acknowledging that there are problem characters and problem rosters in the game and trying to address it without actually addressing it. Namely, you know, cat dog, the big battleship metas, right? Yeah. Um, by, by doing it this way, it's basically saying it's like, sure, you can still bring this stupid broken combo of, uh, of characters, but you only get to bring it one day out of three. Yeah, that's not really addressing the problem Uh, like to me that that's throwing a bandaid on it and saying, oh no, it's not really a problem because look, this is how we're doing it. You only have to deal with it one day out of the three. And that's to me, that's not a solution. That's that's them. I don't want to go as far as to say refusing to acknowledge it. But to me, that is that is them kind of putting their head in the sand and trying to downplay what sort of issue it actually is. So yeah, th- those are my two problems with with this with this particular event. Everything else sounds very interesting. I'm very curious to see more, and I mean, I'm not going to I'm not going to discount it until we see the full rules, um, because I think there is a lot of really cool stuff that they're setting the groundwork here for.
1: Yeah, it I have some Excuse. of the same things uh that you say there. I agree. I think that the groundwork, what what they revealed seems interesting. I think that your note about the barrier to entry, I think is is pretty pretty spot on because I think what this is meant to do, but I don't think it was necessarily expressed in the best way possible, was this was meant to be the pre the premier. And like, I really want to throw the pomp and circumstance on that, that I think it deserves is like, this is the upper echelon, most awesome, most competitive version of Marvel Crisis Protocol that will exist. So if someone's first tournament is Adepticon, more power to you. Play, play the game you want to play. Do the thing, have your fun. If that's the first tournament you want to go to, I applaud you. I, I would, I'm not in any way discouraging that. I think that that is a wonderful goal to be like. I want to go to Adepticon and I want to play MCP there. I think if you jump into the timeline event and you only brought ten models roster, that could, that's going to be an issue. And, and I, I don't know. How to address that, but I, I think that if you're going to Adepticon, then then someone that goes will have done the research for what they need, I would assume, and and I think that that's what they're operating on here, and I I think that the emphasis needs to be that this is this is for that tip top competitive thing, and when you trickle it all down. And you filter it down to the local store level. This is wildly unrealistic for your local store tournament. Just your generic local store event. You think that's a fair thing to say, Leland?
0: I I think it's fair to an extent. I do think though that there is still going to be an aspect of gatekeeping in the sense of there's going to be some players who just don't even want to work towards entering that. Like they might have wanted to enter these sort of events, but that. 30 characters is a hefty ask. Like I can't speak for the US pricing of that one, but an average 2 character pack up here in Canada is about $50. So yeah. 30 characters at you know $50 for every two of them. That's you know that's what that's 15 15 packs kind of yeah, 15 packs usually. So that's 500. That's $750 yeah. right off the hop. Right? And that's assuming that every character you're using comes in those two packs. That's a big ask. That's a big ask. And there's going to be a lot of people who might have wanted to dabble with the competitive scene at these bigger events that are now basically going to just kind of say, well, no, they don't. They don't want to drop that sort of money just to play in an event that they that they may, you know, wash out in the first round or something like that. Yeah, Uh, I again, without seeing the full documents, I do think this is a misstep on their part. Yeah, and it... I mean, I I do I do have I do have bigger thoughts on it, uh, alluding back to the days of uh, like the the heyday of War Machine, but I'm gonna save that for a different venue. Yeah, um, I... but this this does it doesn't make me worry about the state of the game, at least not currently. Uh, but it does it does kind of allude to where their heads might be at in a design space. And I'm going to be watching it very carefully. I think, I think is the easiest way to put it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, we don't know how all it's going to go, but I think the monetary aspect is an interesting one for what you just mentioned. And I know one of the things I've seen on the interwebs when talking about this is, Oh, 30 models is nothing. You know, go to a Warhammer event and people have hundreds of models, yada, yada. And that's that's fair, but part of the the central conceit of a skirmish game is low model counts, and when you're having exactly. to keep up with thirty different models that are all as unique and individual as they are, and and that's thirty models, not counting grunt characters or transforming characters, anything like that. I, my eyebrow is raised. Like for me, for me, and for you, Leland, this is not a problem. But it's not about you and me. It's about everyone else out there that fancied themselves as potentially getting into it. Like my my local guy that I mentioned that just bought into the game. Right? He might have thirty models at this point, maybe, but. I doubt he has enough to make three full complete rosters with no repeats, like in terms of.
0: Especially once you factor in the tactics cards.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And so I think from, and, and I'm just focusing on this one part of it right now. I think that is something that they're going to have to evaluate at going forward. So the second thing uh, with, that I think about this three day event, a three day event, event Leland like wow I, I don't know about you but Adepticon like is a wonderful thing I it becomes wonderful thing Nashcon wonderful thing LVO never been I'm sure it's great LSO same thing all of these these big events are are great right and what's really cool usually is you can say okay I'm gonna goof off on Friday. Maybe there's a team tournament on Friday, like at Nashcon that I'm going to play in, or, or I'm going to go and and do the vendor hall on Friday. And then Saturday and Sunday, if I make Sunday, I'm going to be playing MCP. It's going to be hard nosed MCP. It's going to be great buckling down. And now it's no, you've got three full days of tournament play or, or, or are you going to do like your Friday, your day one, if you will, is is that gonna include the first two rounds? Because if so, that's out of control. Uh
0: like it's a big ask.
1: It's 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 a lot. It's a lot. And I think conceptually it's cool, but like whew, th- three day event, man. Like that to me has well, me especially...
0: like
1: stress level through the roof.
0: Uh yeah, well yeah. Like I mean you and you and Merzane like to talk about the uh the mental load on a lot of these uh, a lot of these um, gameplays in this game Um, but not just that it's it's a big ask because like you go to these you go to these events to do more than just compete and roll dice you you want to be able to see and meet other people you want to go and experience what other games are on the market you want to you want to see what's new and exciting but if you're spending the vast majority of your time in an event uh, playing a game, and there might be people out there who are who are all for this, and all the power to them, um, it it's it's a big ask, and and again, you're you're gonna you're gonna turn away all but the most uh, diehard competitive players for it. Yeah. And uh, this this is gonna sound kind of negative, and I don't want it to sound I don't want it to, but it's going to. M C P is not a big enough game yet. To, in my opinion, warrant uh, warrant capitalizing three days of of a convention, Um, for the vast majority of people, I don't think.
1: Yeah, I I think it's Uh, like the
0: the the reason why games like Warhammer can uh, can do it is first off, they're they're the biggest one on the block, Mm -hmm. and their games usually take three hours to play. Right, a game of MCP does not take three hours. You can get two games of MCP in in the what in the span of one game of Warhammer. Yes so you can get more games in the in the thing. So there's there's other factors that play into it. And I don't don't get me wrong, MCP is growing, it is strong. I love that. But I don't think it has that pedigree to it just yet.
1: Yeah. No, I'm I'm right there with you. So so continuing on with my thoughts on this. So so the time commitment aspect I think is is pretty crazy. I could see a world where they, they chop it down and they say two and 20, two days, 20 models. And, and I think that that's what a lot of smaller events are going to end up doing is they're going to take whatever the rules are and, and massage them to fit their own needs, if you will. So there's that aspect. And then the final aspect that I want to discuss here is something that you touched on in terms of, I think this is a novel way to address characters that may or may not be a problem. I think this is a very novel approach to it. But the problem is it doesn't really fix the problem. So Schick mentioned, okay, cool. Do you use your quote-unquote best roster day one and try to just power through and make the cut to day two? Do you save your best roster for last? Do you try to like even it out and you have a good roster, good roster, good roster and make it through and, and this and that. And like conceptually, I love that idea, but I feel like to your point, it is putting a bandaid on what may or may not be the problem. And then also when you look at it from the perspective, Leland of, well, if you have tools to deal with, with the battle cruisers, right like say you are playing shield and you have iron man and iron man has his helios laser well what if you bring that day 1 but you don't run into one of these big guys like if you get to that point where it's like okay well i've i've used my specific tools that address a specific problem but you don't see those problems until day 3 I mean that could get rough and and I do think that that is again that's why I think this is a novel idea because you've got to find that balance right you've got to be able to say well well maybe I need to be better at this or that whatever this or that is but I also think it could like ramp up that potential negative of like, man, if only I had this one thing that I would have had in a normal roster, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, no, for sure. And it's, it can lead to a lot of, uh, bad negative play experiences, uh, which unfortunately it's never something you're, you're looking to do, uh, on it. And I think it exemplifies kind of the, the rock, paper, scissors element that does kind of exist in the game as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's one of those things where again i want to see the full rules before i i get too deep in the weeds on this which we've already spent a ton of time on it but i think it's worth discussing because it's indicative of what maybe the future holds and when i see something like this it i'm just i'm really interested to see how it's going to work because it's such a departure from what we've seen before right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it's, uh, there's so much about this that I really, I really do like, and that does kind of excite me, but there's just, there's an equal amount of it that just kind of makes me watch it hesitantly.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm right there with you. And, and yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued and I'm going to Adepticon next year for sure. So we'll be able to have some uh, better insights Whenever that rolls around and before that rolls around. So stay tuned right here for that. Uh, One other thing to note about this particular announcement is they said for the first timeline, they're going to be doing Cabal, Avengers, X-Men, and Brotherhood. So I'm curious as to like how broad they're going to go with each of those.
0: So. Yeah. And I mean, there's still a lot more that we even need to learn about that. Like, is it just going to be characters that are in those affiliations or are those just the affiliations we can use, but we can still splash characters outside of it. Like, right. There's a lot we don't know. Yeah, There's a
1: lot we don't know. So with that in mind, Leland, though, let's talk about something that we do know for sure. It is not changing. And that is Captain America, the first Avenger. So, As usual here, Leland, let's look at this model first. And I mean, even though it's the Liefeld pose, I kind of love it. Like it's, it's like that just like strong. He's got the shield. It's, it's a, it's a good costume. It's a good, good moment in, in the character's time. I think like there's, they did a really good job with this.
0: There is something to be said about the simplicity of the model uh it really stands strong uh as a result i personally i love the model i i think it's absolutely great i think it is everything that the character of captain america kind of stands for in this one he yes. he is the bulwark he is you know the the lead from the front the inspirational one and he he is that character that he doesn't need to be in the action pose to be imposing
1: exactly 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 I, I definitely, I just love it. I think it's great. I, I, no more to say on it other than that. Uh, second thing, though, I do think this is worth discussing now, is the card art is very different, and, oh boy, is it very good.
0: I'm actually very pleased with how how they've changed the card art for the uh, the new core box. There was something about when they made the, sw- uh, the Switch from the... Um, uh, the horizontal or the vertical to the horizontal mm-hmm. uh, layout that just, it never worked well in my mind. I think how they have it now where there is, um, there's a bit of transparency to the white, uh, the text boxes. It just, it looks so much better. Yeah. It looks so much more professional.
1: I think it looks wonderful. I, I love it. I think it looks great. I think the whole thing just just jumps off the page, honestly. so. As usual here, let's start with our top stat line here, our basic stat line. Captain America, first Avenger, with an alter ego of Steve Rogers. And for those keeping track at home, that is three Steve Rogerses in Marvel Crisis Protocol. He
0: we have the Council of Rogers.
1: <laughs> the Council of Rogers, yeah. If we're not going to get the Council of Reeds, we might as well get the Council of Rogers's. That's that's a mouthful. <laughs> <laughs> so he has a physical defense of four, an energy defense of four, and a mystic defense of three. He has six stamina, a threat value of four. He is size two, he moves medium, and he is on a 35 millimeter base that's not listed here, but it's worth discussing. So really, nothing changes. In his basic stat line from the original Steve, I mean, this ultimately is the same guy, so it makes sense.
0: Right. It's it's a very it's a very middle of the road uh, 4 threat character. I'm pretty sure at this point that uh, that Captain America might actually be the baseline model for a lot of fours. Um yeah. That the that other fours are kind of balanced around him in some form or another. So that's my suspicion.
1: Yeah, I could see something like that. Him and maybe Black Panther, I think, are are probably the two, like, most right on the line, in my opinion. But uh, it is worth noting, Steve here loses one stamina on on his injured side. So he goes from six down to five. So he has a total of 11 stamina. Now, Leland?
0: I think that's the case with every Steve, though, isn't it?
1: It is, but, again, worth noting. Somebody could just be getting this for the first time. So, yeah. Would you like to cover his
0: attacks, please, sir? I sure would. Uh, so his uh, first attack is a physical attack called Shield Bounce. It's a range 3, 5 dice for 0 power. It is a typical builder attack, so he's going to gain power equal to damage dealt with it. Uh, and then he has a, uh, a hit wild trigger for a bounce. Which basically will allow him to make an additional shield bounce attack to a uh, another character within three of the original target character uh, and any distance from this target character. Uh, it's important to note that this bounce does not have the bounce rule on it. So you can't just keep, you know throwing that shield around. Uh, it's very interesting. It's notably different from shield throw on uh, on the OG cap mm-hmm. in that it is one less range and it's not a gainer.
1: Yeah, so it is just a a nice builder attack here. Range 3 is, I think, the sweet spot for Captain America, if I'm being honest. And I really like the bounce trigger in that it's a wild and a hit. And as we'll see coming up soon, a very achievable trigger for this Steve. And yeah, I mean, I think it's just a solid attack. And it's worth noting how... Things like shield bounce and even ricochet on the old characters work. So the rule that says on the card here, additional attack must target another character within range three of the original target. And maybe any distance from this character, if a character still has stealth or something equivalent, like storms doesn't have stealth, but it's stealth by another name. If they have a superpower like that, then you can't target them with the bounce. You would still have to have steve within range three of the character that has the stealth function but other characters
0: Uh, there's also another notable uh, part about this that i forgot to mention earlier as well this one does not ignore line of sight and cover
1: exactly exactly so you still get cover from this one unlike the shield throw and line of sight still definitely matters so
0: but, yeah, but your your new target you would still need to be able to see that target
1: exactly i love it though i think it's i think it's a great attack
0: i do too i i actually i really like that it is a builder attack i think that's something that uh both other versions of steve kind of suffer from and that they well i guess not really uh, angry steve but or og steve like you're using a shield throw a lot so you're really just pinging that little bit of power every so often I love that this is like a, a true builder attack. You can you can really generate some real power from it.
1: Exactly. What's the next one?
0: So next one, it's another physical attack called Brooklyn Brawler. It's a range three, five dice attack for four power. The very first thing about this attack, though, is that you get to add dice to the attack roll equal to the target size. So, uh, yeah, he, he's going to walk up and throw 10 dice at a Sentinel when he goes to punch it in the shins. And I'm, I am living for this, Steve, as a result. Uh, It's got a critical push trigger, where he can push a uh, size 3 character uh, away short, uh, which is always good, having that sort of um, uh, movement uh, manipulation. And then he's got another trigger, which is a wild hit and a shield, called Frontliner. After the attack is resolved, this character may make an additional Brooklyn Brawler attack without paying the power cost the additional attack must target a different char- uh, target character and the additional attack does not have the frontliner special rule. I love it. I I absolutely adore this as a uh, as a trigger. I'm not huge on the shield uh part of the trigger, but I I love everything else about this attack.
1: Yeah, I think this is a really good spender attack that at first glance maybe seems a little weird, but then you're like, "Oh, it's got add dice equal to the target's size. So even if you're attacking something that's size two, it is on par with other spender attacks. So it would be seven dice for four power. It's range three, which is wonderful. The push is nice. And you can set up that push to to maybe you know play objective a little more. Maybe this is your first action. Then you shield bounce, and that push is kind of... The, the jumping off point for something like that. So I really like that. And then you mentioned the frontliner. I think the shield thing is interesting and it harkens back to the 40s Steve where he has a shield in one of his triggers. And I think it's, it's just an inherent thing of like Captain America is not traditionally a damage dealer character it's just in like in the comics. Like he, he's... A great fighter, all of that stuff, but he's not like this OP damage guy. So maybe the shield on the frontliner is a way to modulate that damage output a little bit. But I think it's cool because if he rolls a shield in the second attack and the follow up frontliner part, then it doesn't matter because it, he doesn't have to roll a shield. He didn't have to worry about getting a shield. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. So I, I certainly like this attack. I think. These are the only two attacks he has. And I like this attack suite overall for Steve. I think it really fits the character. And I don't know about you, Leland, but I think that the previously violent Steve that we were, we were calling violent Steve, but he really wasn't that violent. I think this is violent. Steve.
0: I, yeah, this, this one kind of, (laughs) I really want to like Steve Rogers, Captain America's Steve Rogers. I want to love that model so badly. But it just, it doesn't, he doesn't really do what I need him to do. This one feels a lot better, and I think a lot of it comes down to that, you know, he does have that potential bounce with the shield bounce, which I really like. And Brooklyn Brawler, like, sure, it does, it, it it has that dice equal to size so i love that you're almost always guaranteed at least seven dice unless you're punching like rocket or wasp or ant-man or something like that right right. but it means if he's going into one of the big bads the you know the thanoses the malkiths the sentinels he's adding a bunch of extra dice and it's gonna go a long way
1: it really is yeah and and i think we really have a a violent steve that's gonna gonna really be a frontliner interestingly enough i think he's gonna gonna be in there and Especially when we look at his leadership ability. Earth's Mightiest Heroes with the affiliation Avengers, of course it is. This leadership ability is wonderful, by the way. Once per turn, when an allied character is attacking during the modified die step, if there are one or more hit results in the attack roll, it may spend one power. If it does, it changes one of its results to any other result that's
0: awesome oh. i I had to have a conversation with some of my locals on this one because they were initially kind of down on uh, on this leadership. the uh, feeling that the the reduction in power cost on OG Steve was still going to be the bigger deal. And it wasn't until I kind of sat them down and and started to explain this Steve gives you stupid amounts of consistency with your attack roles. That that difference in one power is, it's still very good, but the fact that you are almost always going to be getting at least two successes on, on a lot of your attacks at this point, because I mean, most attacks you usually roll, you usually roll a hit. And I mean, somebody probably has done the math out there on it, but changing it into any result that you need means that you are going to hit your triggers. You're going to be adding that extra success to it. It's going to help your power generation. It is just... It is so good. Yeah. So good.
1: Yeah. And I'm... It's one of those things where there are too many characters to list that this will directly benefit. But... Or. <laughs> that I was going to say, number one at the top of that list, though, is Thor. The OG Thor Prince of Asgard. I mean... How many times have you played that character and you'd be like, if I just get the wild throw trigger on his builder, this character is insane. And
0: Thor kind of scares me in this affiliation now,
1: dude, like he will be so good or, you know, let's the the rich keep getting richer. OG Hulk in the Hulk smash and you need that wild for the stagger.
0: Uh, Amazing Spider-Man with his momentum and his catch.
1: Yeah. Again so many characters that we could go through and list but just
0: like here, here's the thing we we love new modox leadership the one where like if you roll a wild you get it, you get to change it to a success be it a hit or a shield or you know mbaku where when you're making your attack change if you roll a wild change one die result to a hit we sit down we love those leaderships this is those leaderships on crack yeah. like it's 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 insane yes it costs a power but you know what wakanda's a uh, black panther's leadership of uh pay one power re-roll and attack do- uh d- defense or dodge die we still consider that a great leadership this is that this is that leadership on crack for attacks like it's, yeah. this is great
1: yeah it's now you you did note something there it's all offense but i think that it really is gonna pay a lot of dividends on how it how it goes through things and and I just you,
0: yeah, you you don't need to roll defense when the other guy's knocked down, okay?
1: <laughs> right, right. If they're keeled over, who cares about defense? So exactly. yeah, the next superpower we have here is an active superpower, so it has to be done on his turn called charge. We've seen this before. It's gonna cost you two power. It costs an action as well. This character immediately makes a move action. Followed by an attack action. This superpower can be used only once per turn. Out of action movement, even though this does cost an action, is so powerful. And Steve being able to get in there, shield bounce, or Brooklyn Brawler, and then also using this leadership. Oh, man. The fact that he has charge. Again, the... Old man Steve, I'm gonna call him Old Man Steve from the 40s, even though it's probably the youngest version of him, actually.
0: Uh, <laughs> <he's> just <laughs> yeah, technically it's young man Steve.
1: Yeah, young man Steve. Young man. Uh, anyways, just wishes he had a charge. Like honestly.
0: He really does. Like it's I I love any character that has a charge, I always have a lot of fun with it. Yes. And I, I think that this is this is a great um foil to OG Steve. Uh, In that, that Steve is is very defensive. He kind of creates the core of an Avengers team and that, you know, he's bodyguarding, he's blocking, he's that immovable object. I love that this Steve basically says, I'm going to go to where you are and that's our new home now. Yeah. And I think he has the tools to back it up.
1: Absolutely. And then another superpower here is a reactive superpower. So there's a trigger here and we'll talk about what that is, but basically he can do it whenever that trigger is met. Perfect block. It's going to cost you two power. When this character is targeted by an attack, so there's your trigger, when he is targeted by an attack, it may use this superpower. Add two dice to this character's defense roll against that attack. Leland, did you notice something here that's different from his vibranium shield defense on the previous versions?
0: Uh, His shield now blocks against mind bullets.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, apparently Steve got some mental fortitude in in the waning years here of his, you know, that's probably not the right word. He's
0: got that focus in. He's he's very focused now, right?
1: Right. I bet if he rips open his shirt, he's got the Hydra symbol, and that's where the mental toughness came from. Secret Empire he, he's,
0: At this point in his career, he's just tired of dealing with Tony, and he's just blocked all things out at this point. Right.
1: But I just want to go ahead and say, this is great. He's rolling six defense on energy and physical. And then five defense on Mystic now. Uh, Just, just.
0: mm, mm, mm. Oh yeah. No, I, I I love it. I mean, you can reliably throw him at a convocation list or, you know, anyone else that's Mystic heavy and he is still going to get a lot of work done. Yeah. Which is just absolutely fantastic. I'm, I'm all for it. And you know what? To me, it makes a lot of sense because yeah. He is still, if you want to look at Mystic as being like stuff that maybe, you know, affects the mind outside of just magic and all this sort of stuff, he is still a very resilient, durable character, even in the comics, and still takes a lot to put him down. Oh yeah. Um so I'm glad that they extended that uh that perfect block to include uh defense against mystic attacks.
1: Yes, and I am very sure that when this character comes out, people will miss the fact that it can also be mystic because they're so used to the other version. But like, yeah, it's so good. So good. And the only other thing that changes on his injured side other than his stamina is he gains an innate superpower, much like the other versions of Captain America. I can do this all day. When defending against attacks, this character adds blanks in its defense role to its total successes. So previous versions of Captain America... The three Mystic defense, you still get to count the blanks. And it was always kind of like, okay, well, I if I have a good mystic attack, I can usually get through the blanks that are gonna be counted here. Now, if Steve gets flipped and you have to roll so unlucky to get rid of him. Or you have to throw We've stuff all in, had those
0: We've all had those games where we've had to go into like uh, uh, Mysterio or uh, Ebony Maw, and just roll against their their mystic defense, uh, and it's just it's an absolute nightmare to deal with. And now now basically he has that exact same ability, but for all his, all his stats, and adding blanks to that on top of that, he is, well oh, he is going to be a nightmare to deal with.
1: Well that's what I'm saying, Leland. Adding blanks on six dice or five dice if it's mystic. After using perfect block, I mean, it is it is gonna have it is gonna be a heck of a time to delete him off the board. I mean, if you want a comp, if you if you really want a comp to see how this feels currently without proxying, like if you proxy him, do it whatever. But if you want a comp, Red Skull empowered gauntlets, Red Skull master of Hydra with his empowered gauntlets, six dice counting blanks on offense. And how powerful that is. Well, imagine counting those blanks on defense, though. I mean, like, he might take one damage from a seven dice attack type stuff. Again, unless dice are weird and all that stuff, yada, yada. I get it. But, like, dice are going to dice. But, dude, this is such a defensive version of Captain America.
0: He's tanky. He is so unbelievably tanky. And uh, I, I feel like they they've learned a lot from the previous two uh, Captain Americas, and they've they've created one that really does kind of fit the character. I think.
1: Yeah, completely agree. Completely agree. I think he's he's really it, he's fun. I think this version is going to be so much fun. They've really kind of uh, I don't know how to explain it. Like they've really distilled down in my humble opinion, Captain America. You know, like just it, it the the bodyguard stuff. I love all that. I, I, I enjoy OG cap a lot for the OG corset cap, which I don't know how to, exp- corset 1.0 cap. We're going to have to come up with something for this Leland. There's going to have to be a system, <laughs> but <laughs> I love that version. And I think that just like when I think of Captain America, though, and especially how he's been portrayed in the MCU, this version is spot on.
0: I am very excited to get this one on the table and try him out. Uh, yeah, I, I just I love everything on this card. Yeah. I think I think this is this is such a great uh, iteration of Captain America for the game.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, that that's Captain America. Uh I do want to say I did get to play against the Avengers as Cabal while I was at Gen Con. And I, th- I think, you know, you're only in there for 30 minutes. It's loud. It's busy. First time you're seeing these characters. It was, I mean, first time anyone really was seeing these characters, I was doing so much other stuff at Gen Con. I didn't even have a chance to look at these cards until I was sitting at that table and I was playing Cabal and I think my opponent might have forgotten to use that leadership a couple times, but either way, I will say uh I didn't get a ton of time, but the cabal slapped in that game. Uh my opponent moved up uh Spectacular Spider-Man to the middle of the board to grab a cube fragment. And so I moved my red skull up, who has a range four mystic attack and one shot Spider-Man. It was awesome. And then he moved Steve up. <laughs> And I did the same thing on the subsequent turn to Steve. And then uh, he whiffed a couple of attacks. And then I think I had somebody else on his team, Iron Man. I had Iron Man dazed. And this was all before round three started. We had 30 minutes and we got through two rounds in that time. And he had three characters on their injured side.
0: What what was that we were saying about MCP dice earlier? They get wild. (laughs) They get
1: wild. So, yeah. Anyways, I'm excited for this character. I'm excited for this core set. I do want to go through a few show questions because uh, we got some questions from our Discord, which if you're interested in checking that out, you can check out the Patreon. Uh, that's how you get access. We we have a, a $1 paywall to hopefully keep trolls out. It, we've had one troll infiltrate one time, and that person got booted extra fast. But uh, overall...
0: Whoa, whoa, whoa. Am I a joke to you? Am I not a troll to you?
1: I mean, you're, you're, but you're like a a nice fuzzy troll that that we all like (laughs) to have around, you know? (laughs) So there you go. Leland's new nickname, Nice Fuzzy Troll. There you go. So anyways, check out the Patreon and you'll get a link there. It's patreon.com slash house party protocol. And for as little as a dollar a month, you can come over to, in my humble opinion, this is the best corner of the internet that exists it's always active always a good time always just having meaningful conversations while also goofing off and just honestly and i'm, I'm this this is becoming good friends with people you know what i mean like i feel like there's relationships that i've made as part of this discord channel and as part of being doing this podcast where i call these people my friends now you know what i mean like like and it's it's really been just a wonderful thing, and uh, yeah, I just love it, Leland. You can speak to how good this Discord is if you want to.
0: Absolutely, yeah, no, I, absolutely. It is it is one of the few uh, Discord channels that I I keep unmuted because uh, I always want to sort of take a uh, take part in it, even if I'm just catching up on whatever whatever dumpster fire we've created in the morning uh, <laughs> for Will to uh, to discover. It's happening more and more these days, but yeah, but it's, it's always fun. fun.
1: Yeah. It's always fun. And that's the thing. Like it's whatever dumpster fire it is, it's a fire that is always enjoyable and engaging and polite. Uh, You know what I mean? Like it's just, it's it's great community. So let's see here. We've got some questions. So first up we have M Whalen and by extension Binks also, because he asks a very similar question. Uh, How do you feel about proxying the new models months in advance of their release? Do you think reveals like this help or hurt the short-term interest in the game experience? I think is what EX means. For example, will less people be playing game nights this month because we know things are coming? Or will people be excited to jam games regardless because we have cool things coming? So there's a couple of questions packed into that. And I want to go ahead and read what Binks says here. Do you think players should be allowed to use newer models with the older models cards if the base sizes are the same? So, Leland, I'll let you take that part of it first. Do you feel like that proxying models in advance of their release or by extension, like using Immortal Hulk's model for OG Hulk, do you think those things are okay?
0: Uh, I'm going to give an answer that's about 95% yes. Uh, Provided like you know it's it's accepted Within your community and all this sort of stuff Uh, The only time I would say No or might have some pause On it is if there is Anything about a specific model That might impede its ability To interact or move around Certain aspects of terrain Uh, For example Malkith's Wings Yeah Um, I think uh, I think that is something that you do Need to consider in the game I know People love to proxy and And do creative uh creative conversions and all this sort of stuff uh but i do think that part of the challenge of the game is using the tools that you have or as close to them as possible and that comes with all the drawbacks and benefits that might come with it so if they can't fit into a certain spot uh, because of terrain placement or because of other character placement then that is something that you need to consider with it but the vast majority of the time, I'm I'm all for it personally. Like if if somebody slapped down Logan and called him OG Wolverine on a table with me, I would probably be fine with it. I I don't see any reason why I'd have have any issues with that whatsoever. To be honest,
1: yeah, it's an interesting thing because I think especially with these new characters, right? Like you can take the old young man Steve, you know, forties Steve. We can. We can put him down and say, okay, I'm going to use this model as violent cap as my my new, you know, because the new guy's violent cap core 2.0 is violent cap from here forth. He's violent cap. So I'm going to use, use him as core 2.0 Captain America. And I think that's probably okay because I think for a few reasons, you probably don't see that Steve Rogers played very often. And so there won't be any like visual confusion to say like, oh, what does this guy do? But I do think you have to make sure your opponent's okay with it. Regardless of whether you want to do it or not. It's it's ultimately, I think, your opponent's decision if they're okay with you proxying something, in my humble opinion. Right. Because the the well, as I say, the visual element of it is it It has like a okay, if i've I've played against Regular Hulk and I know what Regular Hulk does, but I see Immortals Hulk's model on the table while me personally, I won't have a problem with that. I could see that being like a visual thing that somebody just gets confused
0: right and that that is actually a very important part it's more important come competitive play being able to quickly identify what the model is and what its capabilities are exactly uh so i think there's and that's where the the to approval part comes in if you're going into a competitive event follow the rules of the event like don't don't try to be cute and use the wrong model or use an alternate model just because you like the look of it more uh People need to go in sort of like on the same playing field and they need to be able to quickly identify a model and know what it can do and all that sort of stuff. So if you toss a Mortal Hulk down uh, and then expect everyone to realize you're using him as OG Hulk, I mean, that, that can create some problems because it ch- it changes the way somebody plays.
1: Exactly. and And I think that when you're – this is not the same discussion as like a 3D printed model. You know, I think a 3D printed model, if it's the same character – and you're like, okay, I'm using this 3D print to represent Captain America First Avenger. Violent cap. You could reasonably make that, because it's a new version of the character that you've never seen before. Here he is. But if you're using the original core box cap, then it could maybe throw things off in people's mind. And even you as the player might have a hard time separating, like, okay, I'm going to use perfect block. Oh, it's a mystic attack. I can't use perfect block. Well, actually, you can. And... And just trying to keep all that together, I think, can be difficult. But I don't think we need to say much more on that. I think that we kind of got the point across there. The next thing here is reveals like this help or hurt short-term interest in the game. I think reveals like this help short-term interest in the game and also give something, give people something to look forward to. I think they have to be careful with how they go about revealing certain things and and exciting the community and stuff like that. like you can't just say, "Here's everything everywhere all at once, you know, because people do want that hype to build. But I do think allowing people in this instance to see the cards, we have the Captain Marvel card, officially the Captain Marvel card, you know, and then there's obviously screenshots and pictures of other ones. Out there in the ether of the full cards for all the characters, so we've got all that stuff. But at the same time, I think it's a good thing that they they do this because it does drum up interest. Because now, what I think is going to happen is someone's going to say, "Oh, well, I haven't played MCP in a while. Well, why don't I go and play a few rounds with my current stuff or proxy some stuff to see how I like it again?" And oh, when that new core set comes out, I'm going to buy it, or they're going to pre-order it after having not played in a while. So I think ultimately it's a good thing.
0: I think it's a double-edged sword, personally. Um, To use an example uh, from from Games Workshop, way back, we used to kind of get this this idea of what was coming, um, like an idea of what was coming over the course of the year and all that sort of stuff. And what ended up happening is they found that people just stopped buying things because they knew the thing that they wanted was coming down the road. Whereas the new model is you, they show something off, and usually within a month, if not a couple of weeks, that product is hitting the shelf. So there's there's this excitement, there's this hype that you go and you purchase the model. Uh, and I think AMG has, in 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 two ways. On one hand, I think they've shown some stuff off too early, but on the other hand, I think they fit the sweet spot. Where they fit the sweet spot is the the Earth's Mightiest uh, Core Box that's coming out in mid October. We only have to wait two months for it. They don't have anything to our knowledge in between now and then. Mm -hmm. So there's nothing to to not buy in between. So from a marketing perspective, there's no lost sales or anything like that. People can get hyped for it, and they're going to be really excited once it hits. It gives them a month, two months to sort of build up some some cash reserves for their hobby to go grab it. Awesome. It's great. Meanwhile, we've known about these new X-Men characters since last March, and that's a long time to wait for them. So there's, there's a bunch of people who might've picked up other characters along the way, but because they know that these new X-Men are coming out, they might be saving their hobby dollars for those new X-Men. So they, they might slow down their purchases as a result, simply just because there is such a long lead time to when we know they're coming out. Yeah. So it's a delicate balance of knowing how early you should show things off versus, you know, how short of a lead time you really need to, to build that hype and get it out there.
1: Yeah, I think you really nailed it there. And I think that something that we've touched on before is how how spoiled we've been with reveals for this game because typically it, it matches the pattern like you've talked about where it's one month of reveal and then the model's out is usually how things have gone in terms of like the sculpts and the cards and all of that stuff. So... I can see where you're coming from with the like, okay, well, maybe somebody wants Bishop and Nightcrawler and they're not interested in Captain America and Dr. Octopus and et cetera, et cetera, insert other characters. So they're just waiting and waiting and waiting. And I think that's why what we touched on at the beginning of this episode, where the value of this new core set really comes into play of you're getting new movement tools you're getting new terrain you're getting new tokens which i also can confirm the new round tracker is excellent uh it's excellent uh it's using cubes and there's enough room for two people's cubes within this each point instead of having to stack the tokens and then the round marker is like a cube also that has like a cutout in it it's really nice i love it so uh anyways so yeah, I think I think you make a really good point there, Leland, overall.
0: Hype and FOMO are a very real thing. And unfortunately, some companies are predatory on it, uh, whereas others manage it a little bit better. And I think that's if you can strike that balance, it's really good for both the company and the consumer.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. I think you're right. And I know there were a lot of other questions that were asked uh, of us this week, but we're going to have to call it here due to time constraints and whatnot, but I really appreciate everyone's questions. We'll try to get to more as we go through all of these characters and all of this core set and all of that fun stuff. So, Suits, I really want to say thank you so much for being with us today. This is almost like a double episode, I feel like, because we talked about all the reveal stuff, and then we also talked about a character, so it's just you know i'm excited i'm hyped i'm ready for it i can't wait to dive in on all of these new characters all of the new tactics that we're going to be able to employ all of the new tactics cards that we're going to see and all of that stuff and i want to say thank you all so much for being here with us on this journey and leland where can people find you
0: uh, you can find me pretty much anywhere under Aegis Brand Studios, so YouTube, Discord, Facebook, all that sort of great stuff. Uh, put down Crisis Protocol Battle Reports every Saturday for your viewing pleasure, and you get to see me be a potato on the game. And uh, yeah, uh, usually the House Party Protocol Discord is, is my main haunt, that's where I'm kicking around all the time. So, uh, you know, uh, do the patron for a dollar, jump into that Discord so you can yell at me. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yell at him real good, too. He he loves it.
0: Bring it on.
1: (laughs) Uh, I just do my yelling in the YouTube comments because I think it's funny. Uh, but, but anyways, but anyways, uh, Suits, thank you so much for listening. Uh, like Leland said, if you're interested, patreon.com slash house protocol, check that out. I would really appreciate it. And um, you get access to the discord. If you're a Mark five patron, you get a special little, little thing next to your name on the discord. And then you get extra bonus entries into our giveaways, which our next giveaway will be for Earth's Mightiest Core set, but we'll be talking more about that once we get closer to that dropping. It'll be sometime in September when we'll start that giveaway off. So if you're interested in getting bonus entries, you can hop on over to the Discord there. And then uh, also, if you're interested, check out uh, Battle kiwis BattleKiwi.com. There's a link in the description. Use the code PartyKiwi to get 10% off your first order. Their battle boxes are some of the best things ever. I love mine. I know a lot of people I talk to love theirs. So make sure to check that out. And then also uh, we might have some more fun things happening around here. Um, I'm not really sure yet, but uh, there's some, some interesting things afoot that I will be talking about. And I know I've probably said that before and you're like, well, what is it? Well, cause nothing's happening, but, but for real, actually interesting things maybe. So I'm excited for that. And, um, yeah i i think i think that's everything leland just you know keep living your life out there guys and having fun and play some mcp and don't be afraid to send us messages house party protocol pod at gmail.com send me messages on facebook if you follow me over there uh on the discord channel always in there looking watching reacting all that fun stuff so if y'all ever have any things you want to talk about just feel free to hit me up and i'm always down to chit chat talk mcp or otherwise And uh, with that, party on, Leland. Party on, Will. And power down suits.